The Mystical City of God, The Incarnation Book 3, Chapter 9 The Venerable Sister Mary of Jesus of Agreda describes how God renewed all his favors and benefits in the Most Holy Mary. And as the ultimate preparation for the Incarnation, made her sovereign and queen of all the universe. 99. On the last day of the Novena of immediate preparation of the tabernacle, Psalm 45-5, which he was to sanctify by his coming, the Most High resolved to renew his wonders and multiply his tokens of love. He repeated the favors and benefits which up to this day he had conferred upon the Princess Mary. But the Almighty chose to work in such a way, that in drawing forth from his infinite treasures his gifts of old, he always added thereto something new. All of these different kinds of wonders were appropriate to the end he had in view, lowering his divinity to the human nature and raising a woman to the dignity of mother of God. In descending to the lowliness of man's estate, God neither could nor needed to change his essence. For remaining immutable in himself, he could unite his person to our nature. But an earthly woman, in ascending to such an excellence that God should unite with her and become man of her substance, apparently must traverse an infinite space and be raised so far above other creatures, as to approach God's infinite being itself. 100. The day had arrived, in which Most Holy Mary was to reach the last stage and be placed so close to God as to become His Mother. In that night, at the hour of greatest silence, she was again called by the same Lord as it had happened on the other days. The humble and prudent queen responded. My heart is prepared, Psalm 107 verse 2. My Lord and exalted Sovereign, let thy divine pleasure be fulfilled in me. Immediately she was, as on the preceding day, born body and soul by the hands of her angels to the Empyrean heaven and placed in the presence of the royal throne of the Most High. And His Divine Majesty raised her up and seated her at His side, assigning to her the position and throne, which she was to occupy forever in His presence. Next to the one reserved for the Incarnate Word, it was the highest and the most proximate to God Himself. For it excelled incomparably that of any of the other blessed, and that of all of them together. 101. From this position she saw the divinity by an abstractive vision, as at other times, and his majesty, hiding from her the dignity of mother of God, manifested to her such unusual and such high sacraments, that on account of their sublimity and my insignificant capacities, I cannot describe them. Again she saw in the divinity all things created and many other possible and future ones. The corporeal things God manifested and made known to her by corporeal and sensible images, as if they had been presented to her ocular vision. The fabric of the universe, which before this she had known in parts, now appeared to her in its entirety, distinctly pictured as upon canvas, with all the creatures contained therein. She saw the harmony, order, connection and dependence of each toward each and of the divine will, which had created them, governs and preserves them, each in its place and mode of existence. Again she saw all the heavens and the stars, the elements, and those that lived in them, purgatory, limbo, hell and all the occupants of these caverns. 
Just as the position of the queen of creation was above all creatures and inferior only to that of God, so also the knowledge given to her was superior to that of all created things being inferior only to that of the Lord. 102. While thus the heavenly lady was lost in admiration of what the Almighty showed to her, and was wrapped in praise and exaltation of the Lord, His Majesty spoke to her saying, My chosen dove, all the visible creatures, which you behold, I have created and preserved in all their variety and beauty by my providence, solely for the love of men, and from all the souls, which I have until now created and which are predestined to be created unto the end, I shall choose and select the congregation of the faithful, who shall be set apart and washed in the blood of the Lamb in the redemption of the world. They shall be the special fruit of his redemption, and they shall enjoy its blessings through the new law of grace and the sacraments to be instituted by the Redeemer. And afterwards those that persevere shall partake of my eternal glory and friendship. For these chosen ones I have primarily created these wonderful works. And if all of them would strive to serve me, adore and acknowledge my holy name, as far as I am concerned, I would for each and every one of them create these great treasures and assign everything over to them for their possession. 103. And if I had created only one being capable of my grace and glory, I would have made it the Lord and Master of all creation, for this would be a much smaller favor than to make it partaker of my friendship and of eternal happiness. You my spouse, shall be my chosen one and you have found grace in my sight. And therefore I make you mistress of all these goods and I give you dominion and possession of them all. So that if you are a faithful spouse according to my wishes, you may distribute and dispose of them according as you desire and according as your intercession shall direct. For this is the purpose, for which they are given into your possession. With that the Most Blessed Trinity placed a crown on the head of our Princess Mary, consecrating her as the Sovereign Queen of all creation. Upon it was spread and enameled the inscription, Mother of God, but its meaning was not known to her at this time. The heavenly spirits however knew it, and they were filled with admiration at the magnificence of the Lord toward this maiden, most fortunate and blessed among womankind. They revered and honored her as their legitimate queen and as sovereign of all creation. 104. All these portents of love, the right hand of the Most High wrought according to the order most befitting his infinite wisdom, for before coming down to assume flesh in the virginal womb of this lady, it was proper that all his courtiers should acknowledge his mother as their queen and mistress, and give her due honor as such. It was certainly proper and just that God should first make her queen before making her mother of the prince of eternities. For she that was to bear a prince, must necessarily first be a queen and be acknowledged as queen by her vassals. That the angels should know her as mother, was not improper, nor was there any necessity of concealing it from them. But on the other hand it seemed due to the majesty of the divinity, that the tabernacle chosen for his indwelling should appear before them prepared and adorned with all that was highest in dignity and perfection, 
in nobility and magnificence to the full extent in which it was possible. Thus then she was presented to the holy angels, and recognized by them, as their honored queen and lady. 105. In order to put the last touch to this prodigious work of preparing the Most Holy Mary, the Lord extended His powerful arm and expressly renewed the spirit and the faculties of the Great Lady, giving her new inclinations, habits and qualities, the greatness and excellence of which are inexpressible in terrestrial terms. It was the finishing act and the final retouching of the living image of God, in order to form, in it and of it, the very shape, into which the eternal word, the essential image of the eternal Father, 2 Corinthians 4-4, and the figure of his substance, Hebrews 1-3, was to be cast. Thus the whole temple of Most Holy Mary, more so than that of Solomon, was covered with the purest gold of the divinity inside and out, 3 Kings 6-30, so that nowhere could be seen in her any grossness of an earthly daughter of Adam. Her entire being was made to shine forth the divinity, since the divine word was to issue from the bosom of the Eternal Father to descend to that of Mary, he provided for the greatest possible similarity between the mother and the father. 106. No words at my disposal could ever suffice to describe as I would wish, the effects of these favors in the heart of our great queen and mistress. Human thought cannot conceive them, how then can human words express them? But what has caused the greatest wonder in me, when I considered these things in the light given to me, is the humility of this heavenly woman and the mutual contest between her humility and the divine power. Rare and astonishing prodigy of humility, to see this maiden, most holy Mary, though raised to the supremest dignity and holiness next to God, yet humiliating herself and debasing herself below the meanest of the creatures. So that by the force of this humility, no thought of her being destined for the mothership of the Messiah could find entrance into her mind. And not only this, she did not even have a suspicion of anything great or admirable in herself. Psalm 130 verse 1 Her eyes and heart were not elated, on the contrary the higher she ascended by the operation of the right hand of her God, so much the more lowly were her thoughts concerning herself. It was therefore just, that the Almighty should look upon her humility, Luke 1 48, and that therefore all generations should call her fortunate and blessed. The instruction which the Queen and Mistress of Heaven gave me. 107. My daughter, the soul that has only a selfish and servile love is not a worthy spouse of the Most High, for she must not love or fear like a slave, nor is she supposed to serve for her daily wages. Yet although her heart must be a filial and generous love on account of the excellence and immense goodness of her spouse, she must nevertheless also feel herself much bounden to him when she considers how rich and liberal he is. How on account of his love for souls, he has created such a variety of visible goods in order that they might serve those who serve him and especially, when she considers how many hidden treasures he has in readiness in the abundance of his sweetness, Psalm 30:20, for those that fear him as his true children. I wish that you feel deeply obliged to your Lord and Father, 
your spouse and friend, at the thought of the riches given to those souls who become his dearest children. For as a powerful father, he holds in readiness these great and manifold gifts for his children, and if necessary, all of his gifts for each one of them in particular. In the midst of such motives and incentives of love, the disaffection of men is inexcusable, and at the sight of so many blessings, given without measure, their ingratitude is unpardonable. 108. Remember also my dearest, that you were no foreigner or stranger in this house of the Lord, his holy church, Ephesians 2.19, but you were made a domestic and a spouse of Christ among the saints, favored by his gifts and by the dowry of a bride. Since all the treasures and riches of the bridegroom belong to the legitimate spouse, consider of how great possessions he makes you participant and mistress. Enjoy them all then as his domestic, and be zealous for his honor as a much-favored daughter and spouse, thank him for all these works and benefits, as if they had all been prepared for you alone by the Lord. Love and reverence him for yourself and for all your neighbors, to whom God has been so liberal. In all this imitate with your weak faculties, that which you have understood of what I have done. I assure you also, daughter, that it will be very pleasing to me, if you magnify and praise the Omnipotent with fervent affection, for the favors and riches which, beyond all human conception, the divine right hand showered upon me.